Welcome everyone to our NCAA Social Series. I'm Andy Katz. On this episode, we'll be joined by vice presidents from Division One, Two, and Three as they offer up a preview for the NCAA convention in San Antonio. All right, now join me, Kevin Lennon. He is the vice president of Division One, and Kevin, for the first time since uh, I'm assuming 2019, uh, we should have full capacity of membership at the convention in San Antonio. Obviously, after being canceled or virtual. And then last year, not everyone able to go because of COVID in various forms. Uh, so it should be very active uh, and great for people to see each other face to face. Um, what do you think will be the headlines at this convention? Well, thank you, Andy. Yes, it's going to be fantastic to have our Division One membership back in full force in San Antonio for the convention. And as has been the case for uh, a number of years now, Division One athletics obviously is going through a transformative time. And this convention will highlight a report from the Transformation Committee that will go to our Division I Board of Directors that really will lay out some transformative changes for the division. Our board will be asked to take some actions on some critical areas and make some significant referrals uh, to the governance structure. But it's a time of change and a time of transformation, and this convention will certainly bring a focus to those issues. So speaking of those issues, which ones do you think will be at the top of the list? You know, I, I think uh, from the biggest picture in terms of impacting the division, it is really this report from the Transformation Committee to the Board of Directors. It will outline um, for the board's consideration and really for our entire, our entire membership to better understand how the division is transforming. What does that mean from a student athlete model perspective and the benefits that we provide to young people? What does it mean for the membership expectations to be a member of Division One? What should uh, we expect of all members in that regard? How should the championships format be adjusted to reflect um, some of the, the challenges that we have here in the 21st century? What are some of the issues related to a new governance structure and how we can go about being more effective and efficient in this new landscape? So all of those are really contained in this report that will go to our board of directors. And Andy, I think what we're going to see then is really a sense of the blueprint of where is a division we need to go forward to meet the challenges of the 21st century, to meet the challenges of the legal environment that we work with. So you know, that report will really be the main substance that will provide some direction as the division moves forward. You know, it's interesting, Kevin, and you've been doing this quite a long time. Um, you know, there are a number of schools that I know want to get into Division One and have, have tried and have actually succeeded in getting into Division One at a time now where those benchmarks are going to change. How do you see those two worlds sort of colliding? You know, I, I think it's, it's a really great point. And, and divisions two and three, I would note, are going through some of the same examination after the Constitution Committee about what the implications are for them. But, you know, you make a very good point. I think what we've heard from the Transformation Committee is obviously division one is the highest level of athletic competition. And we can see that every time we watch our young people compete, by how fabulous that is. And that comes with a set of, of expectations. And, and I think what, what our transformation committee has talked about is that any student athlete who attends a division one institution ought to expect a minimum set of expectations about what that experience looks like. Yes, there will be differences as we know, based on the size and missions of schools, et cetera, but a real sense of a commitment that if you're in division one, these are the type of expectations you should have as a student athlete. 
What that means for Division Two and Three members and other members to examine, um, you know, obviously is something that needs to be considered by them. But there is a real sense of really raising those set of expectations for all Division One members to make sure that we're meeting the needs of our student athletes. Well, and obviously some of these topics are, you know, pretty baseline. We've heard them in in, in national media for quite some time and on campuses across the country. Um, and you know, there's just a couple that that off the top of my head are are, are pretty clear. And, and those are, first off, transfers. Um, you know, how have you seen that issue evolve um, from your seat? You know, it's, it's a great point because transformation represented one of the first significant transformative actions of our Division I board um, to make sure that we had opportunities for all student athletes, regardless of their sport, to have an opportunity to transfer. And that was an important principle uh, validated really by the legal systems, but also appropriate in terms of how we treat all student athletes in all sports. So the transformation committee and the board have made a lot of changes in that space. They've identified the, as you know, the transfer portal, which has been in existence, but also have now identified transfer windows to provide a little more stability in that environment. So changes have been made in the transfer environment. I recognize that you know, it's not to everyone's liking at this point, and there still are areas to revise. But I would note, Andy, you know, broad picture, a lot has been done in the transfer space to try to help our student athletes and to provide an equitable opportunity. Are there rough spots along the way? Absolutely. But fortunately, we have a council and others who are working on that every day to make it go from a good situation, better than it was, to even better than it can be. So that work continues. Name, image, and likeness, clearly not one size fits all. We don't know if there, when and if uh, any kind of federal legislation will occur. Uh, where will that be on the topic list, NIL? Yeah, so, you know, obviously, um, as everyone knows, you know, we have really asked Congress to help us in the NIL space to create some uniformity. And the fact that we find ourselves in an environment where we have different states operating with different laws has created a set of challenges. The good side is that we have a number of young people or taking the opportunity to use their name, image, and likeness in positive ways, and to share with the broader public kind of who they are, the whole person, all these things that they do outside of the court, and name, image, and likeness has really brought a great spotlight on that. We have some models that are still working through in terms of potential changes as it relates to more disclosure of, 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 uh, of name, image, and likeness information, whether a, a third-party administrator might make sense to provide um, some consistency and overview of those activities. But I would share with you in general, we're, we're at a point right now where we're continuing to try to hear from our membership. I know that enforcement is continued to actively pursue some cases, but uh, the bigger picture here, Andy, is that we need Congress to help us create some level of uniformity. And without that, we will continue to operate in an environment where student athletes will be impacted differently based on their state laws. And that is where we find ourselves today. What about enforcement? How much will enforcement come up? Well, enforcement was also one of the areas that the Transformation Committee took on early, and our board approved some changes this past October that were significant as it related to, to changes in a fair and timely infractions process. You know, I think it's safe to say, Andy, that no one has been really pleased with the overall infractions process, the amount of time it takes to adjudicate, et cetera, and it's been a source of consternation. Very proud that the Transformation Committee and the board have made a number of changes to really double down on the peer review process of our infraction structure, uh, decided to eliminate the independent accountability process, but also to make some changes that will just basically make it more fair and timely in the adjudication of infractions cases. So it's something where action has already been taken. 
And I know that our staff has been about the process of implementing those changes as we flip the switch on those uh, January 1st. And we've seen since 2021, uh, equitable championships certainly have gone to a, a new level, a good level. Uh, how much will that come up as well? Well, the, the championships has been a great topic of conversation with uh, the transformation committee. And as they're thinking about the, the number of teams in a particular sport and how one goes about assuring that we provide a championship opportunity to as many student athletes as possible, recognizing that, hey, this championship experience athletically for our students is the pinnacle of their, their, their uh, athletic experience in college. How do we provide that opportunity to the most number of people, given the fact that we have such a different number of representations in sports, et cetera? So there's a lot of conversation going on right now that will continue on in the new year, Andy, about how to best do that, how to best field a national championship field, which we need in Division One. How do you go about seeding them appropriately, and, and all of those issues are ripe for conversation. It's been good for the Transformation Committee to talk about them, but safe to say that more work will need to be done in the new year. So you and I have been doing this quite a long time, uh, decades, and there's no question, one thing that I've seen change over that time is the involvement and the voice from student athletes. Uh, that has really escalated in a positive way, uh, certainly in the last five years. Uh, how much will that continue at this convention and beyond? Yeah, I could not agree more, Andy, with the voice of student athletes. And you and I have been doing this a long time. And I'm very proud of the young people and how they have contributed to the development of all this material that's going to our board of directors and, and what the future holds. I will note specifically that there are recommendations to our board to really strengthen the student athlete voice on the campus level, the conference level, and the national level. And you will see some very specific recommendations that speak to that particular point to codify the need for this student athlete voice. But, but again, I've been so proud of, of how they have contributed to the development of these concepts and moving forward. And, uh, you know, the, our future involves our young people. And so they need to be directly at the table to impact these decisions. Yeah. And, and I just want to add that it's not just about amenities. I mean, student athletes have done a great job of advocating for themselves for health and safety issues, um, you know, from head to toe. And they've done a great job of making sure that everyone knows on campuses and conferences uh, that that needs to occur. All right. One last thing for you, Kevin. Um, by late January, when this is all done, how much are you anticipating that we will see some tangible um, actions out of this convention? Yeah, I think what, what's going to come out of our board meeting, and then it will be reported in issues forum, I would share with the, the broader folks listening to this. So the issues forum at the end of the convention will highlight all of these activities, as well as some things done at the council level. But I think you're going to see big T transformational items coming out from the board of directors. Some of these will be actions that they can take at this meeting. Others will be actions to indicate their strong level of support and their commitment that we are moving forward in this direction, noting that there is some other detail that needs to be worked out and we will be engaged in that process moving forward. So you're gonna see actions, you're gonna see commitments, you're gonna see some referrals that go out with timelines that I think Andy in totality reflect in my opinion, having done this 35 years, I think the biggest set of, of legislative changes that transform in so many key areas, how we support our young people, how we engage our student athletes, how championships are run, how we make decisions and a governance structure. There are significant changes in all of those quadrants. And in any other year, Andy, one of those would have taken up all of our time. Um, but we have so much of that going on. So I would just share with you that 2023, like the past, will be a big year of change in Division One. 
And obviously with the new president and Governor Baker coming on board, you know, we're excited about those changes as well. But stay tuned. And that's why San Antonio is going to be an exciting place to be for Division One. Well, Kevin, I can't wait for it. Look forward to seeing you down in San Antonio. You too, Annie. Appreciate all you do for the NCAA. And now joining me, Division Two Vice President Terry Steve Gronow. Uh, Terry, let's go a little 30,000 feet here. What do you think will be the hot topics in Division Two at the convention? Yeah, well, thanks, Andy, and great to be with you today to talk about the convention in January. Um, I think, you know, one major thing that we always still do in Division Two at the convention is our business session, which is where all of our schools and conferences come together for that one school, um, one vote model of changing um, our legislation. And so we've got 12 proposals um, on the docket, eight coming from our President's Council and four that are coming from um, conferences that sponsored the legislation. So I think that will be very key uh, for us um, at the convention. And then we do regular governance meetings as well. But I think big ticket will be the that business session on Saturday. And so in terms of among that 12, you don't have to rattle off all 12, but which ones do you think are the most significant? Thanks for that question. Um, so the ones that are coming from the President's Council, uh, many of those originated from our implementation committee. So our implementation committee was the group that was formed coming out of the new constitution. And so they made several uh, recommendations. Some were non-controversial. Others now are going to be voted on by the full membership. Um, one of those is to reorganize our governance structure and to do some things with our President's Council, Management Council, Planning and Finance Committee um, also brings more SAC representation and voice uh, into the structure. So that's one in, in particular um, that I think is important because it just signifies some of the changes coming out of the new constitution. We also have some coming from um, conferences that were sponsored, one that would provide uh, coaches more access in the summer to do some uh, conditioning skill training um, with student athletes, and then also some changes uh, as it relates to football. So you mentioned student athletes. Um, we have seen certainly at every division, their voice certainly uh, has been empowered, maybe now more than ever. How have you seen it at the division two level? Thanks. Uh, yeah, I think in division two, we really have um, wanted to ensure the student athlete voice from the very beginning. So we've always had student athlete representation and votes within our general committees. Um, several years ago, we added student athletes to the management council. Um, our student athletes also have a voice, a collective voice and a vote at the business session. And then we just recently added student athlete um, voice and representation and vote on the president's council. So that's an important and key um, item that we've always wanted to ensure in the Division II sort of process and structure is to have that Division II voice. One meeting that we do during convention that is also really important is our Management Council, President's Council, and SAC get together for a joint meeting, always at the convention. It ends up being about a three, three and a half hour meeting where they're able to talk about key issues, hear directly from the student athletes, and use that to help shape priorities and initiatives for the upcoming calendar year. You know, the other thing too is Division Two has been a model for equitable championships. Uh, we know we just had the uh, fall sports uh, festival up in Seattle, which was a big success. 
Um, how much do you think that will be discussed about how that has worked as one model and, and all, you know, all, also going forward, how you can ensure that more championships continue that model of being equitable? So we are right in the middle of starting our sort of triennial budget process for our championships. And so this is where we see how equity plays within our championship model, because all of the sport committees bring forward their various uh, recommendations on how to enhance those championships. Our championships committee looks at a full list of items and initiatives and really starts to ensure that across various like sports or even across the entire division, that they're making decisions that maintain the equity within our division two championships. So we're embarking on that process um, this year, which I think really highlights how we try to ensure equitable championships uh, for division two. Certainly we're going to get a chance to celebrate the festival when we get together at convention, but we're also looking ahead to Dallas when we're able to bring all three divisional women's basketball championships together. And we're going to be able to hear from various individuals about how the playing is going for that and looking forward to celebrating that opportunity in a few months. Now, as we know, uh, Mark Emmert is the outgoing NCAA president. Governor Baker from the Commonwealth of Massachusetts is the incoming president. He'll take office in March, uh, but he's going to go on a bit of a listening tour. What do you want him to hear from Division Two? So I think, you know, Governor Baker obviously has um, diversity among his, his own children in the sports and, and divisions in which they played in. He may not be as familiar with Division Two, and so it'll be an opportunity for him to hear directly from our leadership within our division, to hear from our student athletes, to understand the Division Two experience, how it is unique and different, but how it fits into the big picture of all of college sports and an important role that our division plays um, across the entire NCAA. So I'm just hopeful. I've heard he's an amazing listener, and I think that's going to um, benefit Division Two. And I'm literally looking forward um, for him just to see how wonderful our student athletes are, how amazing all of our coaches and administrators are, and just learn how great of a Division Two experience we're providing for student athletes. And lastly, Terry, um, this is the first time since 2019 that everyone's going to be face-to-face. -face. Uh, how significant will that be? It's, I'm so excited. So, you know, last year we sort of had a little bit of a hybrid where some people um, came back, but not everybody. But to have all of our um, membership back in San Antonio to be together, to have our business session um, with everyone still using the, the machines to vote and, and to do all that, I'm really excited because it's a great opportunity to see our membership. We don't normally have a chance to see some of these individuals throughout the year um, unless they serve our committees or you work with them um, on a championship. So the chance to see people face-to-face, -to, -face, to continue to build those relationships and to catch up and just see how things are going, um, I'm very excited about that part. Appreciate it, Terry. Look forward to seeing you in San Antonio. Thanks, Sandy. Appreciate it, too. And now joining me, Louise McCleary. She is the Vice President of Division Three in advance of the NCAA convention in San Antonio. And Louise, let's start there. What are some of the main agenda items for Division Three? Well, hello, Andy. It's always a pleasure to be with you. You know I love talking about Division Three. We are excited for this year's NCAA convention. We will have over 1,100 Division Three delegates there. We have a full week 
Uh, we will have governance meetings. So our national student athlete advisory committee meeting will go on as well as our management and president's council. We always highlight the week with three division three specific education sessions. And then towards the end of the week, we have our issues form. Really one of the big topics with our issues form is that we are doing a year long review of our philosophy statement. Really what is the foundation and the core of division three? So we'll engage those 1100 delegates. We'll have a wonderful round table and we'll get their feedback and determine how we should move forward. And then we have a full uh, business session. We have 12 proposals. We have a few proposals that are very similar from both the membership and the governance structure around playing and practice seasons, as well as our governance structure, similar to division two and division one. We're looking at our committees and councils and determining what's best for division three moving forward. For the eighth year, uh, we invite uh, 40 students of color for our student immersion program. And those are students to help us eventually, uh, they're gonna become our future leaders. So it's one way for us to diversify our division. We just celebrated last year, a decade of inclusion with Special Olympics. We're excited to have an in-person activity with them. So I'll stop there, it's a full week, uh, but we're really excited about it. Yeah, I mean, look, first of all, uh, as we know, a year ago, uh, because the convention was sort of in the middle of Omicron, there were some defections, which is totally understandable. Not everyone showed up in person, some virtual, just couldn't, some couldn't go. So this feels like the first time everyone is going to be back. Uh, you could argue maybe since, you know, 2019, um, if I'm not, that may actually really be the case here. Uh, so with that being said, to see, you know, everyone face to face, and since then we've had a lot of changes, maybe not as much in Division Three as one and two, uh, but there have been changes. What do you think are the top change items that we've seen over the last year? Yes, so one, I mentioned it, it's the review of our philosophy statement, so that's one, but also what we heard from our membership at last year's convention, you're correct, it was hybrids. So we only had about 600 in person, the rest participated uh, through a video conference, is that there was a desire to have more money spent on our championships. We heard that from our division, our strategic planning and finance committee, and ultimately our president's council with support from our management council, put an additional $4 million uh, into our budget this year with 3 million going to championships. So that's a significant change for all of those uh, student athletes and teams that competed this fall. They saw some significant changes. One, a day of rest between semifinals and championship games, an increase to per diem, increase in uh, local ground transportation uh, reimbursements, so those are all positive steps for us as we continue to close that gap for championship expenses for our institutions uh, that are competing. And clearly we've seen a response where it feels like everyone obviously is embracing this, uh, especially for the student athlete experience. I know at the division three level, um, you know, NIL is not the same, but we have also seen in college athletics that to some degree, it doesn't really matter what division you're in, school you're at. Uh, if you've got a personality and you can use your name, image, and likeness to your advantage, then certainly go at it. Um, what have you seen? What, what kind of you know, topic discussion do you think could maybe go down that road 
Uh, you know, certainly that is a topic du jour uh, across all divisions. Andy, you're correct. But I think in division three, as you mentioned, it, it's more on the back burner. It's there. Our athletic directors, our coaches are really working hard to provide resources to our student athletes to make sure that any name, image, and likeness deals that they're looking to sign, they're doing it understanding what they're getting into. So it's not the same as it is for my Division I colleagues at the moment, but it's something that our various governance committees continue to look at, build resources, provide education to our Division Three members. I do not anticipate that to be the hottest topic uh, for our delegates at this convention, but that doesn't mean that it's out of sight. It, it's just more on the back burner at, at this moment in time. You know, and another issue that certainly gets a lot of national headlines uh, are, um, you know, transfers. And I know, again, it is not as prevalent at the Division three level, but it does happen peer-to-peer uh, -peer and, you know, going up to D2 or D1. Uh, what, if any, discussion could happen with that? Yes. So again, another topic, you know, I was on campus about 25 years, or not that long, about 15 years ago, and there always have been transfers. So again, the transfer portal in many ways has made it easier for our institutions, for our student athletes. The concerns you're seeing at Division I are, are, are not as high in Division Three. So similar to name, image, and likeness, it's there. It's on the minds of our delegates, but it will not be the, the hot topics for them to discuss. On the other hand, for them, what many, I think, across the entire association is facing is declining enrollments and declining budgets. That will be a hot topic. Those are two of our education sessions. One is how do you address those declining enrollments? How does athletics, what role do they play for the health and wellness of the entire institution? And the other is attracting, recruiting, and retaining administrators. In Division Three, uh, we gotten close to a crisis level with uh, finding athletic trainers. And that's at the core of any athletics department. And so our delegates will be focused in on those types of conversations. Not that the other ones that you mentioned are not important. I just don't think those are top of mind for division three at this moment. And, and excuse me, Louise, one last thing. Uh, Governor Charlie Baker won't officially take over uh, until March. Uh, obviously, uh, Mark Emmert, uh, is the outgoing NCAA president. But um, from what we heard from Governor Baker um, in his initial news conference uh, with us here um, was that he's going to listen and it's sort of a listening tour at the convention. What do you want him to hear um, from Division Three? That Division III, um, as I think most know, uh, we make up 40% of the NCAA. We have a valuable voice and perspective to all association issues. Um, having an open mind to allow, as President Emmert has done, for us to continue to have a seat at the table, to be able to use our voice, our expertise, as we're trying to provide, just like my Division I and Division II colleagues, a first-class student-athlete experience for our close to 300,000 Division Three student-athletes. That is going to be the first step. And then we'll be able to detail to him, as I mentioned, some issues that are in front of Division Three and how the NCA can support them as they navigate these difficult times coming out of the pandemic. Well, and I'm sure he will be very familiar with Division Three schools because there are 
plenty of them in the state of Massachusetts. So uh, I'm sure he'll be very familiar with uh, you know those schools as well. Uh, Louise, appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you in San Antonio. And again, a thank you to Kevin, Louise, and Terry for their information previewing the NCAA convention in San Antonio here in mid-January. And as always, you can go to ncaa.org slash social series where all our social series are archived. Thanks for watching, everyone.